It is good to see you tonight. Turn to somebody sitting near you and just give them a big smile and let them know you're glad to see them in church on a Wednesday night. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we are so glad you've chosen to be part of the service tonight. We know it will be a blessing to you. Are you glad to be here tonight, everybody? I know I am. Amen. Why don't you just clap your hands to the Lord and welcome his presence. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I'm just so, so glad, always glad to see you in this context. Always glad to be at church and, and worship with you. Let's open the service with prayer tonight if we can. Let's do that together. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together uh, in, in one mind and one accord in freedom, Lord, just to worship you, to praise you. And we stand here tonight. We do not take this opportunity for granted, Lord. There's there's, there's no service or no time we come together that's just throwaway, Lord. It, it, it's important. It's, it's, it's life-changing. It's life-giving. And so tonight, Lord, we just pray that you would anoint everything that's said and done all over the campus. Let us leave changed in your presence. If you believe that, say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and generosity and giving. Don't forget that you can give online. You can also give in Grand Central, which of course is our lobby on the way out in the in the little offering box. And so uh, just, just continue to remember that and to be faithful in your giving. A couple of exciting things coming up I want to let you know about as we just kind of rush into the end of the year, into the holiday season. All of our overcomers, we have an event for you this Saturday at 11 o'clock over in the A Center. And it's going to be a Christmas gathering just for you. Food and fellowship and just some fun times together. So put that on your calendar. Make a note, 11 o'clock. We want to see you there. We want to we want to enjoy fellowship together and just, um, just spending some time together. So make a note of that, all of our overcomers. And then this coming Sunday is our Christmas service at 11 o'clock. Doesn't it feel like we just had our Christmas service about like a week ago or something? It has gone by so fast, but the calendar has come through again. Here we are, December the 13th, this Sunday will be our Christmas service. And, uh, you know, to me, part of, part of Christmas is being with your family. And so this, this is our opportunity to come together as a church family and celebrate Christmas. So we're going to sing about the birth of Jesus. We're going to hear some good preaching about the birth of Jesus. And we're just going to celebrate Christmas time together as a great big family. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll also be giving in our Christmas for Christ offering this Sunday. So between now and then, I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about it and uh, come prepared to give. Christmas for Christ supports our North American missionaries, church planners right here in North America. And uh, what, you know, we, we could go down the list. We, we know uh, church planners. We know folks that have come through or even... Uh, been launched out of this church that are pl that are planting churches, and we we want to give and support this great great missionary effort, and it is a mission in that sense. So come prepared to give for Christmas for Christ on Sunday, right before Pastor comes to bring the the word tonight. I, I just the Bible says it is good to give thanks to the Lord, and and I just feel like we have so much collectively to give thanks for tonight. Um, maybe over the coming weeks and coming services we'll, we'll be able to tell more, but there, there have been so many miracles and so many things God has done just in the last few weeks and few months. Healings, provision, miracles that God has done for Grace Church families and Grace Church, Grace Church members 
that is just extraordinary. And, and we have a lot to be thankful for. I, I, I was with someone today, and they said they'd spent a good part of this year trying to work out a situation in their life. And God stepped in and just worked it out better, greater, more, more in, just, just better all the way around than they could have ever orchestrated on their own. And that's what God does. And that's who he is. And, and look, I just believe that, that the church, the church, those, those called out believers, in this day, in this hour, we're going to continue to walk in favor. We're going to continue to walk in blessing. And we're going to continue to walk in grace because that's what God has for us. And, and I just believe it's a choice that we can choose to walk in. Amen? If you believe that, would you just clap your hands tonight as pastor comes to bring the word of God. God bless you, Grace Church. Thank you, Brother Dave. Great to see everybody here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming and uh, being in Bible study on Wednesday night. And I'm excited about tonight. Uh, we're, we're on a, a path here, and I've been looking forward to uh, tonight now for, uh, well, since we finished Bible study last Wednesday night. And I've uh, been looking forward to this, so uh, we'll have a good time tonight. Along with Brother Dave, I do want to promote um, our Overcomers luncheon this coming Saturday. Looking forward to it, 11 o'clock. We're going to have a great time. So uh, leave all your negative stuff outside the door. Come in, just smile, have a great time, and uh, we'll have a, a just a, a good time together. And uh, we can wish each other Merry Christmas for an hour or two, however long we have together, whatever it takes, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I would imagine the food's going to be pretty good. I don't know what the menu is, but I have never been let down at a Pentecostal food event in my life. It's always good. So uh, we'll have a great time. I do have one little thing I want to just have you think about as we get into Bible study. Uh, I think America should ban pre-shredded cheese. I think we should make America great again. I thought y'all would like that pretty good. Took a little while, didn't it? G-R-A-T-E again. Greater cheese. Oh, well, we tried. <laughs> well, the people on live stream, I don't know if y'all got that or not, but I just tried to explain it, but glad you're with us as well. <clears throat> Let's jump into Bible study. I want to begin uh, a little different tonight, maybe just a little dramatic, if you will. But uh, for years, uh, I run into different people, usually at the campground, usually at the campground. And they say, I love you, man. But that's the only time I ever see them is at the campground. We never hang out, never call, never text. Uh, I had someone uh, say every time we met, they, they wouldn't even say hello, said, I love you, Brother Murphy. But I never heard from him. You ever had people say, hey, let's get together sometime, but they never call? And it makes you wonder, do they really mean it or not? These people that say I love you all the time, but shows no manifestation of it? Makes me question, is it really words or just words or do you really mean it? Uh, 
people that say, hey, let's get together sometime but never call. Do they really want to get together? Or are they just saying that to look good? Maybe feel better about themselves. I've literally had people here at Grace Church, I'll exaggerate just a little bit, but almost walk up with almost like tears in their eyes. We've got to get together. And I'll say, text me. Call me. Be happy to. And I never hear from them. Uh, so the two things that I've just described isn't friendship and it's not relationship to me. The Bible gives to us in numerous places what I call one another's. I've, I've read them to you on several occasions and would not do that again tonight. But the Bible is full of one another statements. Do things for one another. It's help one another. I'll go through a, a couple of them in just a moment. So how do we learn the deep one another community of Scripture without being in close proximity, um, without having some kind of relationships with each other or friendships with one another? I want to talk to you tonight for a little while, and I'm not going to be long tonight, but I want to talk to you about the priority, the priority of biblical fellowship. What does the Bible think of fellowship? I talked about this last Wednesday night, and uh, I thought I did a real good job last Wednesday night with it. And uh, so I thought I'd, that was kind of meant to be, again, a little on the humorous side. But, um, but <clears throat> I, can't, I, I, I keep saying I'm going to quit doing that kind of stuff, and I can't help it. I had a conversation last night with somebody about being sarcastic, and see, here I go again. Um, just is what it is, I guess. But I want to talk to you about the priority of biblical fellowship. And I, I want to show you tonight what we call fellowship isn't always biblical fellowship. And I'm, I'm doing this for two reasons. I can, for the first time in my life, see a, that America is teetering on a point where we may regret not being closer to each other and then... Uh, there's some things that we want to do right after the first of this coming year, 2021. And um, so this is where I'm headed uh, with, this, with this material last Wednesday night, tonight, and even possibly next Wednesday night. Do we understand tonight that God calls people from all walks of life, all kind of backgrounds, and all kind of personalities into his church? Does that make sense to everybody? God calls anybody and everybody. It don't matter who you are. If you love Jesus and, and, and want to be right with God, he'll take you. It don't matter what your personality is like. It don't matter what your past has been like. It doesn't matter what your background is. It don't matter who your parents are. None of that stuff matters. Why, why would God want people who wouldn't normally gravitate together to fellowship together? There are people here tonight that some of you are friends with. There, there's a lot of mutual friendship here tonight across our church. I mean, across the board, there's a lot of, of mutual friendship. If it wasn't for being in church together, you probably wouldn't even know each other. Is that a fair statement? Uh, 
So why would God, look at all the people you think are weird. You're not, of course, right. But look at all the other people that you think they're really weird. Why would God even want them in his church? Well, I think if you want to ask that question, the first thing you need to do is go look in the mirror and ask why God want me in it. I feel good here tonight. Does anybody feel good here tonight or is it just me? And we're going to have a good time here tonight. But God calls all kinds of people. And it's interesting to me, just under the one banner of obeying the gospel and attending church regular, you can establish some pretty good friendships with people. Y'all, y'all know I, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge. There's people here tonight that I have known and have been friends with for over 40 years. There's people here tonight that we knew each other before each of us had kids. I mean, that's a long time, especially when you reach my age. I've known Sister Yvonne since before I was born. It, it feels like it anyway. <laughs> now, now. Uh, but, I mean, it just, but had we not been in church, we'd never known each other, more than likely. Uh, so that applies across the board. So God brings all of us together, and he designed it that way, and then teaches us a biblical uh, a biblical way to have fellowship with one another, knowing that we're from different backgrounds, different families, all of that's different. Why did he do that? First, first answer is fellowship can help us to become unified as God wants us to be unified. Not that we come together and seek out people that we have things in common with, but just being under the banner of the church, regardless of your personality, regardless of your background, regardless of your upbringing, we can still be unified even though our lives prior to coming to God was so different. There's people here tonight that has virtually nothing in common with your friend prior to church. I don't know if y'all are understanding me or you're just absorbing everything I'm saying. I'm just, I've got that look. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible said, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's what God plans. It's what God intended for his church. That we can become unified as God wants us to be. Secondly, fellowship can help us overcome our weaknesses and develop Christian character. Fellowship can help us overcome our weaknesses and develop Christian character. In Colossians, Paul said, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, deep, meaningful mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, 
and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. The third thing for God bringing his church together in what I'm calling biblical fellowship is it provides us with a network of support. I'm telling you, uh, especially over this, over this past year, there's folks I know, if they had not had the church, I don't know what they would have done. I don't know how they would have made it through until tomorrow if they had not had the church. Their families weren't there. Their friends weren't there. But the church was there in a lot of ways. And this is one of the great beauties of being in the church, especially now, is you have a support group here that you won't find anywhere else. It just, it's not there, not like the church. So Paul instructed in Romans 12, 15, to rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That means that no matter where we are in our station in life, we have people around us that we can be in relationship with that can help encourage us, strengthen us, and keep us motivated to go in the right direction. And everybody said amen. So how do we learn the deep one another community of Scripture without being in close proximity. We don't live together. Some of us only see each other at church. There's other people of friendships here tonight that, that uh, you run around together during the day, and I think it's amazing, and I'm very happy about that. So how do you learn the deep one another community of Scripture without being in close proximity? Community in the New Testament sense of fellowship assumes and requires face-to-face Communication. Everybody say face to face. Face to face communication. That's whether you're in a horse and buggy age or the modern internet age that we're in right now. There are three things that marked New Testament Christian community. This was established in the book of Acts, and it's the kind of community that God is wanting the church to build. This is so relevant, especially now. First and foremost, this fellowship that you learn, this New Testament fellowship, this biblical fellowship, you have to understand the why of it and the purpose of it. Number one, it was centered in Jesus Christ. Believers met together as Jesus' followers, and they constituted his body. And I think we forget that as the people of God. We're not just random people here tonight. I could start calling names and, and say, you know, it's not, you're not an island to yourself, and you're not an island to yourself, and you're not. We are a community of believers. We're centered in Jesus, and we are, according to the Scripture, we are now the body of Christ. I want to make a very bold statement here tonight. Grace Church, however many people we have as, as members. Last time I checked, it was over 300. That's not 300 little individual churches. In addition to that, for however many churches we have in our area and across our state and around our country and around the world, it's Jesus don't have 10 million bodies running around. It's one body. So when you understand that, when we come together, it's not two bodies, 
but its heart and lungs, its stomach, its hands, its feet, its brain, its head, it's one body. You are a part of a body. You're not the body or a body. You're part of a body of believers. And when we understand that, when we come together, this is closer than natural born siblings. I've never met with anybody that said, you know, I have 10 kids. No, I'm sorry, I only have one. They're, they're all 10 like one body. Never met anybody that did that. But the church is a body of believers. This is why this is biblical fellowship. So we come together. We're not coming together as random relationship people. We're not coming together as just random friends that met at church. But we're part of something else. There's something else that connects us just besides likability. The second thing is this fellowship that we have together, I believe is a gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift that God gave us. Where else can you go to have this kind of fellowship, this kind of chemistry? Not just natural emotional chemistry, but spiritual chemistry. There's people you could sit down with and share scripture with them. You can share testimony with them. You can share your life with them. It's different here than any other thing you can involve yourself in. We understand that here tonight. This is biblical fellowship and the camaraderie we have with one another. And then you bring Jesus into the mix. This is a great gift that God has given to us and to the world. And it's called the church. It's not a clique. It's not a club. It's not a social function. This is something spiritual that all of us can relate to. The third thing was that this community that was established in the book of Acts had a mission. It wasn't just us three and no more kind of thing. It, was, it had a purpose, a driving purpose, that we think this is so amazing, we want everybody else we know to be a part of. So the New Testament community was directed towards a purpose outside of itself, actually being a living witness and the gospel's power in the world. Now, many churches, and to some degree, including this one, have a superficial idea and even experience. There's a lot of people here tonight that's been in the church for a long time. And so your idea of fellowship, a lot of it is based on experience. This is the way it's always been. I've had a few friends here and there in church, and I know a lot of people, but I only have a few friends. And we see each other, we see each other, and we forget about the thing that brought us here and the things that we have in common, spiritually speaking, biblically speaking. So most often in most churches, what we call Christian community, it's easily mistaken for mere cordiality or courtesy, or sociability. It easily becomes the least common denominator fellowship. Not much different from a social club or a neighborhood potluck party. So often, so-called Christian community is marked by nothing that is specifically Christian and nothing that challenges the belief, perception, and dogma of surrounding pagan society. In other words, church fellowship really don't stand out that much from other 
entities of fellowship around us in our everyday lives. A church event is really not that much of a bigger deal than an office party. Does that make sense? Am I making sense to everybody? We, we have a greater purpose. We have a, a greater function. And if we could realize that, then you would want to be here. You would want a fellowship. You would want to invite people, even in all this mess we're in. You would want to invite them to come out here with you and experience what you experience. So my purpose here tonight is to help us understand who we are and why we're here. It goes far beyond what we've experienced in our past church life. So the question as posed hints at the answer. It's the one another passages in the New Testament. There are several things stand out when we look at the many one another's such as we've all heard this verse before in Romans 12:10 to be devoted to one another. That's a biblical commandment. That's not optional. That's not a feel good statement. That's not to make you feel good about yourself when you talk to somebody on the phone, you know, once every 3 or 4 months. The Bible said to be devoted, devoted, devoted. We're committed. We are our brother's keeper. Devoted to one another. Do you feel that way? If not, then we need to realign our definition of biblical fellowship. The Bible said to serve one another. I think Grace Church is great with service. I think there's a lot of people here that help a lot of people often. It just happens. And I applaud Grace Church. But then in Galatians 6.2, the Bible said to help carry one another's burdens. This is biblical fellowship. This is some of these one another. So we're, we're devoted to one another. We serve one another and we help carry one another's burdens. So let me mention tonight and launching into the Bible study is first of all, most of these passages imply behaviors. This is what we miss. These passages imply a behavior, not necessarily an attitude. An attitude don't always minister to people, but behavior does. Attitude can stand out. Attitude can be a neon light when you walk into a room. But so can service. So can behavior. It can also say something very loud and clear. The New Testament writers are less concerned about how believers feel about each other than they are about their actions. They're living or functioning together as community and publicly as disciples. Sometimes we reverse this focusing on attitudes and we forget about action. This is biblical fellowship. Secondly, all the one another passages imply a social context. All of them do. They imply a social context. Does this make sense to you? There, there should be appropriate structures in which these behaviors can be lived out. I'm, I'm glad our, our young folks are in here with us tonight. I want them to hear this. I'm, it's perfect timing for them to be in here tonight. This is how we should be one to another. It's not based on our opinion, and it's not always based on our attitude. It's based on our behavior. How do you behave around your friends, your acquaintances, and especially people 
who were unchurched. So in the New Testament, the early church was essentially a network of home fellowships, and this happened naturally. It happened organically. Today in congregations of hundreds and thousands, most of the one another's happen through home groups or other small group structures, Bible studies, music departments, and so on. But not all these structures are as intentional or as deep as the New Testament sense of community as the Bible would teach. The third is nearly all the one another passages are imperatives. They're they're, they're instructions about actual behaviors, not reminders of abstract spiritual truths we can enjoy meditating upon. But the New Testament is full of these one another injunctions precisely because early Christians needed to be reminded of them. So let's, let's consider this again when the Bible said to be devoted to one another. That's, that's not just something you read and say, well, I'll work on it one day. The Bible said to be devoted to one another. I don't know how it could be more plain. It's an imperative. It's an instruction to serve one another. The Bible said for us to do that, to carry one another's burdens. The Bible said for us to do that, not slough it off because you don't have time. Okay, let's consider this. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. All of us can quote verse 25, but I doubt there's a handful of people here that knows what verse 24 says. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We all know that verse, right? The verse preceding it says, and let us consider one another. And you're showing up. You're not just coming for you. You're coming for the other people that's going to be here. And the Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's included in that one another thing. So let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So when you show up, you're here not just for the betterment of yourself, but for the betterment of other people that are here. So when you miss, that influence is gone. That influence doesn't happen. I realize sometimes people have to miss, but I think sometimes people just stay at home too, right? I think if we're fair and honest about that. We could have been here and we could have been a blessing to somebody, but we chose not to because we don't understand the imperative of serve one another and be devoted to one another and to carry one another's burdens. So Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 shows that mutual encouragement. One translation said of verse 24 to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You actually are kind of, If you see somebody's a little depressed or down, because you're here, you can encourage them. There's a beautiful altar moment here this past Sunday morning. And I was to have conversation with somebody about that. And uh, when they walked away from the altar, they said, "I I don't need to have that conversation. I think that's an amazing thing that happens in the church environment. Uh, they got what they needed from God, but they were also surrounded with other people and they got what they needed from them. They didn't have to talk to me. That's the way it's supposed to work, Right? So consider how you may prompt one another to the practical living out of their faith. 
this is biblical fellowship, so it's not just about me and, and my needs and what I get out of church. Now, when I come to church, I'm helping somebody else. And I like to feel that when pastor's at church, that maybe I am helping somebody. And so when I leave, there's a fulfillment that comes. There's, there's a peace that comes. There's a satisfaction that comes. And I think that's the way it should be. So there's people here tonight, when I saw you walk in, you inspired me. I've told people this one-on-one many times throughout the years. Every time I see you come in, you inspire me. Every time I see Yvonne Thompson, she inspires me. Always has. Always has. As far back as I can remember, when she was in the Christmas drama years ago at the first church, and she said, Burk, 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 all I do is Burk. You'd have been there to appreciate that. She's always been an inspiration. She never runs out. She never gives up. It's inspiring. I told her grandson that here tonight that I believe her work is done in Austin. Just saying. I do mind my business sometimes, but not all the time. <clears throat> this passage also hints, however, that some we're developing a bad habit of neglecting meetings or neglecting assembly. When you look at Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, why would he write that? What would motivate the writer to write that? Is it because everybody shows up and he just says, well, I'm just going to throw this in here. I have a feeling there was a pattern beginning to develop that people were not showing up and there were other people who did show up were discouraged by the people not showing up So church, the assembling was kind of a counterproductive thing for those that were there. So so it is in any age or culture. Some people will drop by the wayside. I talked about this last Wednesday night. The temptation then is to water down the intimacy or frequency or cost of meeting together to accommodate those who want something less demanding. Everybody here tonight over the age of 50, remembers revivals that were seven nights a week? And do you remember when they took Monday night off for a rest night and everybody goes, woo if you will, If you will track church from then till now, we don't have nearly as much church as they did back then. And so what's the problem with our relationship stuff? Think about that. There's a lot of legitimacy in that. So we can't continue to water down spiritual intimacy with each other or frequency of showing up or the cost of to to have a meeting to accommodate those who want something less demanding. Marriages don't get better by putting less into it. Parenting don't get better by putting less into it. It only gets better when you put more into it, and the same is true with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. We have to understand that. Historical and sociological studies have shown repeatedly that churches with high belonging expectations are more vital, they grow faster, they have more countercultural impact, they last longer than those that relax the intensity of their community life. This has happened to Grace Church this year, and every church around the globe because everybody's been in quarantine you can't fellowship you wonder why people are are different 
God designed the church to have deep, intimate, uh, intimate fellowship with him, spiritually speaking, and also with one another, spiritually speaking. It was designed that way. And when you take those factors away, then it gets weaker and less appealing. In small groups, everybody say small groups. It is important to share your concerns and growing edges, if you will, and to study scripture. Face-to-face community in such context is not a secondary add-on. It is the church itself, as described in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the fellowship and in the one another passages. They devoted themselves to that. That's why they were so impactful. There's people all around us that just need friendship. They need fellowship. They need to know somebody loves them. There needs to be that emotional connect, but there needs to be that spiritual connect as well. And the church has to be postured in a way to respond to that. We have to do that. We can't just come and sit down. And if somebody speaks to us, fine. If they don't, fine. We can't do that. We have to open ourselves up and make ourselves available to people. So in conclusion tonight, when in... 1738, 1738, John Wesley started the religious group known as the Fetter Lane Society. He said that he did so in obedience to the command of God by St. James and by the advice of Peter Bowler. The references to James 5.16, when James said in his epistle to confess your sins to each other, And pray for each other so that you may be healed. John Wesley started a group, a religious group, based on just that one principle. That you could come and gather together with people and talk what's on the inside of you and then trust the people that you're telling it to. This is biblical fellowship. This is a bond that we have to one another. And we can't be judgmental because God all brought us all from the same place. We all came from sin. So when people share their heart and things that's happened to them in the past or whatever, we don't judge them because we've experienced sin as well. We're never put on a platform to judge. So Wesley came to understand, as other Christians have learned, that Christian people don't naturally confess to each other. It takes the kind of trust and openness That develops only in some form of face-to-face community. It's got to be a face-to-face community. That is why churches know what it means to be healed. And I believe one of the greatest things about Grace Church, especially since we've been in this building almost for 10 years, almost 10 years now. I mean, our tagline is a place of hope, healing, and restoration. Is there's a lot of people that's come here and they found healing for their attitude, for their heart, for their spirit. They've reconciled to their past. They've reconciled to things that's happened to them in the past, whatever. But it's this environment that did that. There's, there's a strength of fellowship that you don't find anywhere else. You don't find this kind of strength of fellowship when you go to the doctor and he gives you a medication for your problem. You're in and out the door and you go get your prescription filled, but it adjusts your emotions and brain. You're not really solving anything. You're just making yourself feel better through the day. And, I, you know, what, whatever but when you, you, you should be able to come to church and feel that deep spiritual camaraderie, that deep sense of fellowship, 
that I love these people and they love me back. We all came from crazy backgrounds, crazy lifestyles. There, there's people that attend Grace Church, they don't want you to know stuff in their past because they're embarrassed by it. I understand it, but why can't we be a fellowship of believers where it really doesn't matter what anybody did in their past? On this side of the cross, we're all the same. On this side of the cross, we're all forgiven. On this side of the cross, we've all experienced grace. On this side of the cross, we've all experienced forgiveness. And we all share that. You can't share that anywhere else. I've talked to a lot of people through the years in church about food. Love talking about food. Henry Swallow is here tonight, and I, the man could have opened a restaurant and fed millions. He's an awesome cook. I was talking to Fallon before church tonight. Somebody told me, I think it was her husband. Again, it tended to be kind of a little joke kind of thing, but y'all didn't get it anyway said she makes amazing chicken and dumplings. I'm going to go ahead and make this public, Fallon. And she's got some stiff competition here at Grace Church, and I told her that. But I am the ultimate judge on chicken and dumplings. So I don't care how good people say they are, they're not officially graded until I taste it. And then it can become official. So she don't know it but probably around the Christmas holidays or something, she's going to be making a pot of chicken and dumplings for Brother and Sister Murphy. She just found out. She just found that out. Look at that. Isn't that something? At the same time I said it, she found out. That's amazing. We're in the mouth of two witnesses. Well, yeah, I spun that one pretty cool, didn't I? So, and we have eating in common, and, and we have domestic stuff in common, and, but you can go anywhere and get that. She could talk about, if, if, if she worked outside the home, she could talk about that in the office with people about chicken and dumplings. You could talk about any, any of these things. But it's really only in this body that you can cross into the spiritual stuff, that you can talk about healing, that you can talk about what God did in your life, and you can talk about how he saved you from despair and shipwreck. It's only in this environment. You don't do that so well in the office place and... And, and on your job somewhere else or whatever, y'all get the, what I'm saying. There's a, there's a deep sense, there's a depth of, of spiritual chemistry and camaraderie here tonight. And I want us to build on that. I'm asking you to build on that. And if you see somebody struggling, don't judge them. Help bear their burden. Help serve them. And let's be devoted to one another devoted to one another thank the lord god bless you tonight jesus we love you tonight it's again a pleasure to open up the word of god to study the word of god to delve into it and we've not come tonight just to fill the air with words but god we need this right now there's people all around us that need this right now they need that warm handshake that genuine smile and to feel the love that's coming out of somebody's heart toward them. They need to feel that not, I'm not being judged by this person. 
and and we we can do that here at Grace Church. We 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 can do that. We we've been treated that way ourselves. That we know that we're loved, we're cared for. That there's people here tonight that are devoted to us, and God help us to understand that connection and to reach out around us to impact the lives of other people with the same thing. We're surrounded by hurting, isolated, lonely, depressed, grieving people that need to feel and experience what we have felt and what we have experienced. Help us to go beyond our past experience just being in church, being in the church and living a, a, a certain lifestyle. Help us to go deeper. Help us to go beyond that and to literally cast a net and to bring in as many people as we can to feel what we felt, to know what we know, and to experience what we've experienced. God, help Grace Church motivate us to open our heart to be deeper, to be better, to be what you want us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. All right, get up out of your chair and go talk to somebody. <clears throat> Hurry. It's important.